Hello, I am Marlon Diaz. And I'm Taylor Walker. And this is the Keeping It Local podcast. From the southernmost point of Florida. To the panhandle. We will be talking local politics as well as issues that affect everyday people. Taylor, are you ready for today's episode? Let's do it. Awesome. We'll be right back. And we're live. We are live. Oh, gosh. I am. How are you, Taylor? I am doing great. I'm doing great. Uh, it was a long day at work, but I'm, uh, I'm super excited to, to talk with you, especially with our next guest, Mr. Juan yes. Flores. How are you, Juan? Very good, guys. Thank you so much for having me today. Of course. Not a problem. We're glad to have you. Yeah. Um, All right. So, so I guess so. we kind of wanted to, um, you know, let's just kind of open it up like we do with uh, with a lot of our guests, especially those who are young and, and uh, branching out in politics and government. Um, where did you get your start and where did you get your passion to, to run? Definitely. So uh, I'm a small business owner by trade. Um, my family and I do freight forwarding and, and food distribution. But um, back in 2010, um, I was about you know, 14, 15 years old. Um, my father actually suffered a, a brain aneurysm. Um, so leaving me as kind of the only child to step up and, and you know, work our family business and, and go to school at the same time. And that kind of really opened my eyes at a young age of, you know, how government interaction, how bureaucracy, taxes kind of played a part of our day-to-day lives. And since then, you know, I've always wanted to, to be involved and be active. Um, but I really got my start in politics um, in college at, at FIU. That's why I, I encourage so many kids, you know, that, that start off or want their start in politics to start off as young as possible. Um, actually, my, my one of my professors at FIU was, was none other than, than Senator Marco Rubio at the time. Funny enough, this was before he, he ran for president. Um, I had him for an international uh, political theory class at FIU during the summer which I was lucky enough to have him there in person, which I know now it's very rare to, to get him for, for a course there, much less in person uh, since he's a busy guy. But, um, you know, after that, after that semester, I was, I was brave enough to, you know, just shoot him an email and say, hey, I loved your, your class. I'd, I'd love to be involved in your campaign because that's when he was running for, for president at that, right after that semester was done. And he told me, emailed me back very quickly. Um, yeah, come by our, come by my office. And you know, ever since then, it's kind of been a a whirlwind of of you know political experiences throughout the years. You know, I, I knocked doors for him and did phone calls for for his presidential and senate race. Um, after that, you know, I got involved even more locally in my local uh, Republican Party. And I've helped found one of the uh, college Republican clubs at, at Florida International University. And since then, I, I worked on local campaigns, federal campaigns, state campaigns. Um, and that's really, you know, how I got my start is, is through campaigns. And I, I would tell any young person, like I said earlier, um, to get involved as much as possible. You know, get an internship, uh, walk doors for your local state representative or congressman. And that's that's really how you get the experience. That's and it, it, it's and it's it's an it's an experience that I would recommend anyone get. 
um, especially if they want a start in politics. And it's something that you won't be able to, to read in a textbook at all. Yeah, so I, to add on to what you just said, Juan, and, and, and to comment of, um, you know, unfortunately, I, what you're saying is completely true. And I couldn't agree more. The best way that you can get involved in politics is to get involved in the process first, of course, and get involved mm-hmm. in campaigns, meet the different candidates, um, work with elected officials. Um, but nowadays, Juan, people do not want to do volunteer work. Um, a lot of folks are looking for paid internship opportunities, um, job uh, campaign jobs that pay money. So I just I just wanted to make that comment on the side because I think it's important for folks to know that we've lost that essence of the volunteer yeah. work. Um, we've lost the essence of saying, "Hey, I'm gonna get up one day and I want to help in the, my community. I want to ho- I want to go and help and pick up a garden at a school." That doesn't exist anymore. People, it's all about monetary. It's all about, hey, I want to get paid for this. So if you're not going to pay me, I don't want to help you. So I don't know what your thoughts are on that, but I just think that that time has gone by so quickly to where you were at one point and to where I was at one point, I'm sure Taylor too, where we dedicated ourselves to campaigns day in and day out. And now... Just you don't see those people with that commitment anymore, and that to me is is not shocking, but at the same time, perhaps it could be better. Yeah, it's an, it's definitely unfortunate, you know. Um, like you said, I mean, we we're all suffering through through what's going on economically, not only here in Florida, but but nationwide. And and I understand that people need to to make their means, and and you know they obviously would would love a paid opportunity. Um, but at the same time, you really have to have to, I think personally, you have to make the decision of, you know, whether you want this as a career or you want this as a side job. And I think that's kind of the, the distinguisher between people that want to volunteer and people that want paid jobs, you know, and, you know, you might not get the same experience as someone who, you know, who's done it for free, you might not get the same relationships. And I think, you know, volunteering is a good um you know, is a good way to start out and then get a paid position, which a lot of, you know, a lot of us have done, you know, listen, I, I, well, I campaigned for free for years. And then after that experience, I did it, you know, I, I was a campaign manager for, for elected officials. And, and then after that, I, I became a legislative aide in the, in the Florida house for, for the past three, four years. So, you know, I, I understand that people want to start off getting paid, but at the same time, you know, there has to be a there has to be a, a starting point for for most people, and you know it, it is sad that a lot of people don't understand that. But I wouldn't say it's everyone. You know I'm I'm you know uh, not as pessimistic I'd say, but because I, I do have you know a good amount of volunteers that I know personally that that help on my campaign and and some others that are good friends that I would consider, and you know acquaintances from the political process that I've known over the years. But you know it's. I think it's also kind of a a lack of, of focus. I think uh, in our part, not, not only as as candidates, but but as a party, as the Republican Party in general, I, I feel like we fail to prioritize sometimes um, the youth or the or young voters compared to you know compared to Democrats, because um, many assume I would say that you know young people are generally more liberal, and then as people get older, they get more conservative. But I I feel that's not the case. In, in, in a lot of places, 
And I think we're seeing that with some of the newer generations. So, you know, that's that's definitely something I would like to champion. You know, like obviously, you know, running for office has been a great experience and, and God willing, you know, I'll be I'll be in this seat. Um, but I'd love to be an advocate, obviously, for young people to to get involved and and be kind of an example. Like, listen, you know, I started from from very humble beginnings. I started, you know, knocking doors and making phone calls for free and you know, now I'm running for office and hopefully I'll be an elected official and so could you probably. Yeah, I'm I'm really glad you mentioned a lot of that because those uh, those experiences are the kind of experiences I know Marlon and I have both cut our teeth on um, and not just campaigning, but also working and interning in the government structure. I remember one of my first jobs like in government was interning for Byron Donalds. And at the time he was a state representative. This is before he was even in Congress. And I remember coming in and not getting paid, but still being so passionate about the work that we did. And, you know, trying to research policy, learn more about the process. Um, but but you also mentioned you were in L.A., you were a legislative aide. Um, how did that improve your experience and how is that going to aid you further in your run for office? I would say it's it's been one of the most important parts of my life, I'd want to say. Um, and, you know, other than, than my time volunteering in campaigns, um, you really get a grasp of the legislature, of the of the legis- of the political process, legislative process, whatever you want to call it, um, in Tallahassee. You know, working with these legislators, working with you know the lobby corps, with leadership, with with these staffers that the House and the Senate have that are just so knowledgeable on on every on you know wh- whichever silo they belong to. Um, and my time, you know, I, I started there right after college. And I, I wanted to dedicate myself to policy because that's that's what I loved at the time. And I, you know, I worked for Juan Fernandez Barquin, um, who was the incumbent of this seat, a good friend of mine first. Um, I worked in the district. You know, I, 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 I had constituents that would call the office. I would, you know, have his schedule, have him do his meetings. And then um, after that, I, um, I wanted to go to Tallahassee and I told him and he, he was very kind. And he's like, oh my, you know, I have a, I have a roommate of mine who needs a legislative aide, and um, his name was Spencer Roach, uh, not a Miami rep, <laughs> but someone I hold dear, very dear as well. Um, he's a state rep out of Fort Myers, and I worked for him for about a year. Um, very great guy. He he taught me everything I I needed to know at that time. That was my first time in Tallahassee, um, but. As I was saying before, and after that, I came back to Miami. I worked for Representative Alex Rizzo um, out of Hialeah, who I would also consider a great friend and a great mentor. But um, regardless of that, you know, I think working in the legislature for anyone, and not just me being a candidate, gives them a perspective of how to really get things done um, as a legislator, as someone who wants to make change in their community. And that's, you know, that's essentially what I, what I wanted out of the process. And that's what I, what I got. And it's been invaluable to me so far, you know, at, at the doors, talking with voters, you know, I can communicate art, you know, articulate very clearly about the issues that we've worked on the past couple of years in the legislature. Um, what I hope to do moving forward, not only as a candidate, you know, but, you know, as, as, as a party moves forward. And, you know, I think, Having that experience puts me, I, I'd love to say, you know, light years ahead of, of the other opponents in my race. So let's talk about a little bit about your race. Okay. You are in the newly 
drawn District 119 who belonged to uh, Representative uh, Barkeen. Of course, now he's running for District 118, which is a, a, a different district number. Um, you have four other opponents in your race. Um, two council members, um, one hotelier, and one attorney. If I'm correct, you are the youngest out of all those four. My question to you is, what would be your strategy or your message to the younger voters as well as those who are not young on why they should vote for you? I'm, I'm glad you asked, Marley. And I am by far the youngest candidate. I'm 25 years old. But what I tell people at the door is, listen, you know, I'm, I'm the youngest candidate, but I'm also the most qualified. You know, I'm the only candidate out of the five people in the race that has any sort of legislative experience in, in Tallahassee. Um, I have political experience here in Miami-Dade County with state, local, and federal races. And I'm a small business owner. You know, I'm, I'm not a millionaire um, hotel owner that's coming out of another state. I'm not a wealthy trial attorney um, that's only interested about their own pockets. Um, I'm, I was raised and born and raised in my district. I believe I'm still the only candidate that's actually born, raised, went to school and owns a business in the district. I don't think anyone else can say that. Um, and the thing is, I, I think most people are tired of the same old style of politicians. You know, the ones that, that come in grandiose and, you know, and say these huge promises and never come and never come through. I'm, I'm a big fan of, you know, um, do as you say, not say what you do. And what I tell people is I give them my, my history. I tell them what I've done, um, how, how I've been a part of my community, how, I've been a, a valued conservative in, in here in Miami-Dade County. And yeah, I'd, I'd love to talk about my platform, but my history and my and my my experiences speak for themselves. So to follow up on that, that you just said, um, it brings me to my next question. So let's say you were elected. Juan Porras gets elected in November. What would be your first priority or what would be your first act as representative of District 119 so that our listeners can, can of course, um, learn? Of course, and yeah. Well, two things. So the number one issue I think most residents are, are, are worried about or affected by right now is property insurance. And, you know, as many residents in Florida have uh, know, Florida is becoming one of the most expensive states to live in in the country. Um, and insurances have skyrocketed the past couple of years um, due to, you know, th this toxic, litigious environment that we have with um, with property fraud, property insurance fraud here in Florida. Um, the majority of insurance companies have gone either bankrupt or out of, you know, out of Florida. They don't want to insure new, new, new people here in, in the state. And because of the fact that a lot of these these attorneys, a lot of these adjusters and firms take advantage of the systems and the loopholes that we have in the law that allow for people to knock on people's doors and say, hey, I'll get you a, a new roof just because you have one tile missing. You know, I'll get you, you know, thirty, forty thousand dollars for for a little hole you have in, in your roof. So we, we have a lot of work to do in Florida to, to crack down on, on fraud 
and make sure we, we can work with some of these insurance companies and bring them back to Florida as, you know, obviously as long as they're willing to say, you know, if we come back, you know, obviously we'll be have lower rates than what we have now. So I'm willing to have that discussion. I'm willing to have that conversation. I don't think, um, I don't think some of my opponents would. Um, and other than that, uh, one of my biggest priorities for, especially in my district, is, is homeowners association reform. Um, my district covers all of West Kendall, Hammocks, and Richmond West. And in Hammocks specifically, we've had a slew of, of issues having to do with the homeowners association there. There have been uh, reported money laundering. There's been election fraud. Um, the, the state, actually, the Department of Business and Professional Regulation has gotten involved and actually issued a recall for, for the members of that board. And they're actually taking it up with the court, you know, and and I've and I've knocked hundreds, if not thousands, of doors um, in that area, and every single resident is so frustrated with 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 the association because they're, they 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 raised the the charges from the association by four hundred percent from one month to the next. And I've spoken with some of these voters, some of them who, who live off of retirements, who live off of, you know, you know, government welfare that can't afford, you know, two, three hundred dollar increments in homeowners association from one month to the next without any notice whatsoever. So what's happening is a lot of these people are getting run out of run out of town. Um, they have to sell their homes that they've lived in for 30, 40 years. And these homeowner associations aren't even willing to publicize their budget or have public meetings, which is by law what they're supposed to do. So what I propose as a candidate and hopefully as a future legislator, what I hope to work on is number one, uh, DBPR needs to have subpoena and auditory powers to be able to investigate and audit of some of these associations who, who abuse their power, quite frankly, and we should be able to, to enforce the laws we have here in Florida, and that's not what's been going on. Um, and number two, there needs to be some sort of, uh, you know, a watchdog or, ad, or advocatory committee within DBPR so a lot of these residents can issue grievances or complaints about what's going on in their associations without having to have the repercussions of, you know, facing their, their board. Because in a lot of these cases, these boards will, will take it up with, with these residents and, and, you know, issue them tickets or put a lien on their home in some cases. And that's absolutely unacceptable for me. And it's unacceptable for, for any resident here in, in Florida. And Juan, for our viewers so that they know, what is DBPR? Sorry about that. So DBPR is the Department of Business and Professional Regulation. It is an, it is okay. an agency. Um in Florida that has to do with condominiums and homeowners associations, uh, in, in addition with occupational licensing and a slew of other, of other business related um, issues. But it is, it is the, the, it is the state agency that has to do with, with the regulations that have to do with these condos and, and associations. And frankly, you know, in, in most cases, it's they they don't have the legal teeth or legal footing to really be able to make some change, and that's what we need in in my district. I remember. Yeah, I, mean, I just yeah, I was just asking for clarification since our viewers 
Um, obviously, I think I think this is a very important topic that people talk about, especially in South in South Florida. It's very unfortunate where you see these condominium associations as well as the insurance rates um, completely out of control. And and of course, you know, you, we see these um, uh, condominium associations act like kingdoms or or you know these powerful government led organizations, um, but in reality, they're not doing the job for the people that they that they intend to serve and that they're collecting their money from. So definitely I'm glad that you brought that up and and for and that our listeners are able to to obviously understand um, the current situation down there and what you're and what you're presenting as a candidate. Taylor, I'm sorry, go ahead. No worries. No, I was going to bring up I used to work for DEO, the Department of Economic Opportunity, which is not far. Uh, DBPR. We often uh, worked in tandem with them and a lot of the bills that we would watch um, would would cross over because we would be um, we would have that oversight for economic development in the state. And oftentimes that goes hand in hand. Um, and I do I, I bring that up because I remember in my time there uh, monitoring a bill that uh, Senator Ana Maria Rodriguez proposed that also uh, entailed that sort of policy to, to keep homeowners associations at bay. Um, could you see a possible collaboration in the future? Well, I would love to. Um, Anna Maria is a very good friend of mine. Um, she's been a, a good supporter um, of my race. Um, and I would love to work with her on it. Listen, you know, we, the, the Florida House, you know, passed a, a great condominium reform bill uh, led by, you know, uh, future speaker Danny Perez, who's also a friend of mine. Um, and, you know, I would love to work with both of them on, on how we can fight back with some of this government overreach that a lot of these associations and, and condominium associations have on, on our residents. And, you know, I'm more than willing to have that conversation at any time. Um, I've, I've spoken with some of these some of these HOAs already in my district, um, and a lot of them are, are willing to sit down and and see what we can do as a state to to make sure that that not only these associations are are transparent with residents but also able to be held accountable and i think that that's honestly the bare minimum of what we should expect from from a government entity that is you know essentially the the homeowners association and i guess on that same note and to kind of backtrack just a little bit um, you mentioned that you're a small business owner and uh, that's that's kind of been a family affair for you. Um, how do you see yourself being a better legislator because of that? What experiences do you have kind of as a small business owner um, that give you that uh, a little bit better of a perspective? Definitely. Yeah. So I had to learn very fast, um, you know, when I was a kid, how to run my business and no one really teaches you a lot of these things, you know, how to, um, you know, provide health insurance for employees, um, how to, you know, manage uh, half a dozen employees that, you know, have to do with international um, transportation in a lot of cases. And I think having that business experience really, um, I guess, levels you as a person. It, gets, uh, it gives you kind of like a, a broader perspective of um, how to op- how how a not only a business but government should operate and, and in a lot of these cases, I think if we had more business oriented people in Congress, in the state legislature, you know, in 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 government in general, 
we would be we would be a lot better economically and and I think politically because you know here in Florida we're one of the most fiscally conservative um, states in the union. I think we we're we're at about a twenty uh, billion dollar surplus, and that's thank that's thanks to you know Governor DeSantis and the legislature who who has a lot of great business leaders and you know people that are that are great with with tax policy. Um, so, you know, I think my business experience as a whole, um, I think gives me a lot of, of, of experience and, and general know-how on, you know, how, how, you know, government and bureaucracy plays a part of our, of our community and how we can, and how I can shape that for the better. And with that, we want to move on to our next segment and you want to stay on because I want to ask you. Um, the question which we talk about, we highlight small businesses mm-hmm. here in our in our podcast. Um, Taylor, I'll let you go first because, of course, ladies first. So would you like to highlight a business up north? Absolutely. So in Cantonment, Florida, there's a cute little boutique that just opened up. It's called Southern Lane Handmade and Company. Um, and they are off of 284 Muskogee Road. Um they had a grand opening on June the 25th, and if you were in that area, it would be great to show them some love. They just opened up. Um, they do custom designs, embroidery, that kind of thing. Um, definitely know of a, of a few folks that, uh, that, that have loved their uh, creations as of late, and I keep seeing them on social media, so I can't help but promote them. Uh, they're, uh, they're doing a fantastic job. And the first post I see on their social media is uh, is a blue angel embroidery job on a shirt, and I can't help but love that. Um, definitely a family-owned local business, and uh, would uh, would highly recommend giving them a look if you are in the Pensacola Cantonment area. Okay, Juan, you got to highlight a business down in Miami that you can think of. If you have a business within your the district that you're running for, please go for definitely. it. Definitely. Oh well, there's there's a lot of great small businesses um, in my community, but I think one of the most uh, well known um, down here in in, in in the Kendall area has to be um, Isla Canarias Restaurant. It's uh, in in English that's translated to the Canary Islands, um, but it's a Cuban uh, family that's that's owned that it's a I think one of the staples for uh, for Cuban cuisine here in in the in the Miami Dade area. Um, they have I would say one of the best, I, I actually, no, I'd say they have the best croquetas um, in, in Miami-Dade. I'm, I'm confident in that statement. And um, they've been, they've been having that restaurant there for as long, as longer than I've been alive, frankly. And they've been successful with having uh, multiple restaurants. I know the family had just opened a couple years back um, a, a separate kind of Cuban-Asian fusion restaurant called Finca which is also in my district. Um, love it. Love small, small businesses, love family owned, you know, Cuban restaurants like that. Um, I try to go there as much as possible, obviously not as much anymore since the, the campaign trail, but <laughs> I'd love to highlight, um, you know, local businesses always. Oh man, Juan, I'm going to have to probably agree with you on that. They do have some really, really, really good croquetas. So I, I, I just I can't disagree with you on that. But there is competition out there. And for my side of Florida and Central Florida, we got Bubbalo's Bodacious Barbecue, serving Orlando's favorite barbecue since 1986. 1986. 
They have two locations, and one of them is in Altamont Springs, uh, 1049 East Altamont Drive. And their second location is in Kirkman Road, 5818 Conroy Road. Make sure to check them out. I'm definitely visiting this weekend because I was recommended to go there and pay them a visit. I love barbecue food. So if you're in the area, if you're in Disney World, if you're anywhere in the Orlando area, go ahead and pay them a visit because I'm sure you won't regret it. And on that note, we want to thank you, Juan, for being on the Keeping It Local podcast. We appreciate you and your time um, to, to come on and talk about the issues and talk about your candidacy. And I'm sure that... Taylor will say a few words before I, after I do, but we wish you the best. Thank you. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to echo uh, what Marlon said. We really appreciate you coming on and taking the time to talk to us. Um, you know, a lot of folks, when they're on the campaign trail, they don't think of the smaller projects and the smaller uh, outlets um, kind of like us. So we appreciate you taking the time to do that. Um, we were we we're happy to discuss all of the issues. Um, we wish you luck. Thank you so much, guys. It's it's a pleasure, honestly, to, to be here with you guys and you know, take some time to, to talk with some fellow young conservatives. And, you know, it's it's always good to to have more conservative voices out there. So I'd, I'd like to thank you guys for what you do and, and keep up the great work. And on to our next segment, yes. freshly squeezed oh, by Taylor yeah. Walker and Marlon Diaz. So go for it, Taylor. I, got, I know you've got something going on. So walk us through that because, man... I saw that and I told you, man, we got to talk about this in our first squeezed. Oh my goodness. Uh, jog my memory. Jog my memory. <laughs> the police chicken guy. Oh, yes. <laughs> what <did I> <laughs> chicken police is now a new, a new entity within Florida. Uh, for those of y'all who've been watching, uh, not even just Florida news, but meme culture lately. Uh, a gentleman in Duval County was attacked by a rooster uh, into which he uh, he promptly defended himself uh, and his neighbor when he found the carcass of the rooster the next day uh, called not only Jacksonville uh, Sheriff's Office, but uh, animal control. And the guy went to jail for killing a rooster that attacked him. And now I, I based on the video in, in and of itself, uh, I, I don't know if uh, this is the real South. This feels a little staged because where I'm from, there wouldn't have been a rooster carcass to find. There would have been a pot of dumplings on the stove and no evidence. So I, uh, I, I can't help but wonder what, what actually happened there. <laughs> I, I mean, I thought, I thought Miami had chicken busters. <laughs> and, and I thought that Key West had a massive chicken population, but man, police, chicken police in Duval County. Oh, I mean, yeah. talk about, talk about an actual news. And the funniest part is that everybody has been talking about it. Fox nonstop. News. Not, not local. Fox News ran it. And I know this because someone in my work group chat told me who does not live here. I mean, that's crazy. We'll see if other cities and counties within our state enact the same policy of having a chicken police. You know, if the stand your ground law applies to chickens, you know, maybe maybe Florida has a great absolute standard. 
What's funny is that you 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 hear that news and you obviously hear the description of the chicken obviously charging at the person. Right. But per my recollection, you can walk freely all over Key West and there's chickens everywhere. Yeah. And I'm not talking about just the female chickens, but there's also the roosters oh, yeah. who are all out and about okay. having their time of day. Uh, and I, per my recollection, I've never I've never seen anybody being attacked by a chicken. Hey, it's, and I will say this, as someone who, my grandfather had chickens when I was growing up, and the roosters can be very aggressive. Uh, well, I'm, I, I, I know, I know, and that is true, because I too raised chickens when I was little, and, okay. I, and I, I'm, I'm, I'm with you on that. But per my recollection, these wild chickens that are out there don't attack people. <laughs> they're just they're just by they're just bystanders just having a good time just picking on whatever's on the floor and i think that the aggression does become when they are in captive when they're in cages uh-huh. and when they're in a coop or or you know i guess that's where the aggression builds up right. but when they're out about minding their own business they don't care about attacking you i mean at least to my knowledge but we'll see if that changes yeah yeah, I mean, you know, with the chicken police out and a foot, we you never know what's going to change. Um, <laughs> so, it's yeah, just interesting news out of uh, out of Duval County in, in the Jacksonville area. Uh, any Man. anything interesting going on in your neck of the woods, Marlon? <laughs> not ne- well, you know, not necessarily. I mean, I know that um, uh, I don't have anything going on in my neck of the woods. No. That can outstand such crazy thing as chicken police and 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 two neighbors fighting each other. I mean, we got plenty of wildlife here and, oh, sure. and yeah, yeah, yeah. where I live. So we've never seen an issue. Mm-hmm. We've got plenty of bears. We got plenty of wild turkeys. We got plenty of otters, gators, yeah, all kinds of wild birds. But we've really never seen that issue here. At least, yeah. I mean, at least wild animals attacking people. No, not not today. But yeah. hopefully, hopefully, well, it hopefully doesn't happen. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's crazy. Well, it's crazy. we could talk about something that's going on down in South Florida, oh. and um, so the zoo over and down in South Florida, Zoo Miami, opened their first ever turtle sea turtle hospital, oh. um, mainly focused into rescuing sea turtles that have been. Either that they've fallen ill, that have been attacked. Um, so the zoo will be soon opening the tours, educational tours, mm-hmm. for people to take um, a tour of this facility, learn more about the work that they're doing. Um, so I want to commend them on their work because we talk about local issues. And, yeah. of course, sea turtles are a, natu- a natural species within within our state and our waters. Mm-hmm. Um, you see them quite often when you're out in the ocean. So, um, and unfortunately, they are affected by much of the plastic pollution that's going on in our oceans, mm-hmm. um, as well as um, attacks by sharks and other creatures that shouldn't be attacking them. But unfortunately, that's something that we um, see every day. And I'm glad that this initiative came about, came about and hopefully they have much success in, 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 in this project and in this new initiative um, and that many sea turtles are rescued, uh, re- uh, rehabbed and, and released. So yeah. we should see what, what, what more they have um, in the coming uh, weeks and months. But 
congratulations to Zoom Miami. Absolutely. And I, I will, I, I can't hesitate, uh, but, but to make this point, uh, it's always nice to see when private sector folks get involved with conservation and efforts to actually beautify the area and keep wildlife safe and, and ensure the, the success for different species, especially those that are threatened. Um, it's always nice when government doesn't have to get involved to keep the area that we live in beautiful. And that's what uh, that kind of that's kind of what makes the private sector such a great thing in and of itself. <laughs> well, interestingly enough, also the uh, Fish and Wildlife okay. is heavily involved in this project. Mm-hmm. So thank you, Governor DeSantis, for yes. being a steward in the environment and making sure that we um, that we are doing what we're supposed to do when it comes to. Um, keeping our environment and our and, and, and the wildlife that's around us um, mm-hmm. safe, healthy, mm-hmm. um, and to the representatives who, right. who live in that area, mm-hmm. who've represented that area in the past few years and in the past few sessions for bringing much-needed funding for the zoo and its conservation programs. Absolutely. So they've got a great thing going. Um, I I could get a lot into more details about their their their, their work that they're doing, but we're gonna we're not gonna do it today. But I obviously um, um, think that they're doing an extraordinary job in, in conservation. And of course, with this new initiative of rescuing sea turtles, mm-hmm. um, is um, the world is very promising when things like this happen because we need, um, we need more kindness in humanity. And definitely, this is just a part of humanity being, humanity doing its best. Absolutely so, doing our part. And, you know, just to just to make one final comment on that, I'm glad you mentioned the partnership, uh, because here in the state of Florida, um, we uh, we we enjoyed the uh, the rare chance uh, to to utilize a budget um, that is unlike many other states. Uh, the revenue that uh, that we face is, is, is absolutely great because we uh, because of how good our state is run. The folks in the legislature and Governor DeSantis have done a great job in saving us money, but also budgeting to where that uh, we can utilize those extra funds for projects that are well needed. Um, and as I, if I recall correctly, the state's projected to raise three point five billion dollars by uh, by next May, and that's way past expend expected revenue raised. So uh, to see projects like this be a fruition of that is uh, is really promising. And uh, it's, it's one of the great reasons why uh, we live in sweet Florida. And unfortunately, Democrats don't talk about these legislative wins. Well, they don't talk about it. They don't talk about it. They don't talk about it. Sometimes when, you're, it, on, when you're on the losing, it's all about the it's hard huge to- noise. And, and, yeah. and, and it's just the issues that really people, you know, I guess, care more about. But when, when you talk about these legislative accomplishments that this administration has done at the state of Florida with Governor DeSantis in the head of the administration, you know, they ne- they're, never, they're never given credit unless it's from their own party, of course, Republicans, who do take a lap around these victories and highlight what, you know, how important it is for us to be doing the work for conservation. But hey, you know. It's good to live in Florida, like you said. Yeah. Sweet old Florida. We lead by example. We don't lead by words. Yeah, absolutely. And with that, this episode has come to a close. Ugh. Well, now I want to go to the beach. You, you got me in the mood to go to the beach. I might see a sea turtle. <laughs> you 
have fun at the beach. I might do it. Here it is. The weather, it is pretty bad out here. So I will probably be staying home. Oh, it's been a beautiful day. I might do that tonight, actually. Thanks for inspiring yeah. me, Mauro. <laughs> of course. All right, Taylor. Take it easy. And we are off.